From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. Strap on to your mash ton. (laughs) This is the best beer show on the (laughs) internet. (laughs) Uh, You 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 decided to do uh, like another line in between. Um, If you guys can't tell, I am getting over a cold. So that's why my voice is... Rough and sultry. And I was sneezing because of your dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he's all nasally and terrible. Um, <laughs> Man. I'm sorry. That was that was unnecessarily mean, Brian. I apologize. Rude. I, you know, I can't help it sometimes. <laughs> all right. Uh, before we get too deep here, I'm going to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot of support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Joining the AHA will give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the furrow link, the bottom of our homepage, and join today. Also, I'm going to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, Hoppin' Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, and Phil Feldman. If you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. Uh, or go ahead and and head over to blindedstudios.com and click on the patron link at the bottom of our homepage. And while you're at blindedstudios.com, you can find our store um, by hitting the store link there or going to teespring.com slash stores slash blindedstudios and checking out our merch. Brian, what have you been up to beer-related lately? Well, the little... Uh, I feel no, like I'm just like trying to get my voice back. Jeez. I think it sounds fine. Um, not not a too big of a deal, but was the fourth uh, fourth anniversary of Hop and Barrel. I mean, that's a pretty big fucking deal, man. You guys had a well, I mean, the world had a really rough two years, and it wasn't easy on you guys, and you made it through it. And yeah, shit's still going. <laughs> it it I mean it is it is I mean it's it's unfortunately probably the new normal for a bit, which sucks. Yeah, I mean a little bit. Uh, it's. I don't know. Where we live in Wisconsin, it's kind of, people have always sort of fought for it to be. Yeah, well, and now we have the highest COVID rates that we've ever seen. Yep. So what does that mean for us? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I know more people who have tested positive for COVID in the past two weeks than... Than before. Than, yeah. like, the entire two years combined. It's a like, different variant, and I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm no doctor. I ain't no doctor. I'm just a beer guy. <laughs> Yeah, fourth anniversary was uh, what they'll be listening to this on Monday tomorrow on the tenth. Uh, the oh the eleventh on Tuesday. The eleventh on Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. So like last night that was the eighth. It was Saturday, and that was um, fourth year anniversary party. Had Firewater Gospel Choir there playing some tunes. Um, big packed house. Uh, a couple new interesting beers. Um, Maybe we'll talk about next episode. So, yeah. yeah. I uh, mean, so, I mean, like, just like when when you guys started, and this is probably way more of a Hoffenberg happy hour question, but I'm curious now. Like, when you guys started four year, years ago, would you imagine in four years you would have a second location and like all this other stuff that you guys are doing? Like, no. Uh, it, I think I've said this on Mike, maybe on Hoffman Barrel happy hour. Um, but when you're kind of like right in the middle of it, it's hard to grasp what th- the effect you have on 
you know, anything, the beer scene, the local beer scene, um, if you're lucky, the national beer scene in a sense. Um, you know, and we've had gotten real, real good reviews and some and really close in a few different beer competitions recently, like, uh, you know, getting second place out of 64 other Meritsons. Um, oh, what is his at on Instagram? I'll think of it later. But, oh, uh, oh, shit. Uh, Sergeant Suds. Yeah, Sergeant Suds. S-A-R-G-E-N-T, Sergeant Suds, all one word, on the Instagram. Uh, yeah, we had been randomly hit up. Well, we get hit up all the time to send beer different places. I have no problem doing that. I love doing that. I have a pretty foolproof way of always getting it there, knocking on wood. Unofficially. Uh, unofficially. Uh, um, though, did you see that? The, <coughs> did, did you see that the Brewers Association's big push this year is to try to get yeah. USPS to legalize beer shipping? That's one of the big pushes, and then there's another one locally in Wisconsin to get wine and liquor at uh, tap rooms, which we're really hoping to check out because wineries can do it. <laughs> they can have beer yeah. and booze, and so well, and so can uh, brew pubs. Yeah, so can brew pubs. So we're trying to, you know, like just. You know, get this in front of people again and, and get it get it going. So yeah. anyway, big big tangent. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, great year. Tough to tough to really see the the forest for the trees when you're you know right in the middle of it with your head down. And in four years uh, went by in in the blink of an eye. And especially since Justin and I have like I said off mic earlier, we were having some food and beers before this. Uh, uh, Justin and I have been working on this for five years. So, yeah. What about you? Oh, man. I have been brewing up a storm. Um, man, that's what let's I hear, see. man. Uh, this week we can talk about um, what beer, what, what brew. Uh, next week we're talking about a different brew. So uh, the brew that I did today, we are talking about, oh, hang on. I got to bring it up. Uh, while I'm doing this, can was, I? Was it your Palisade? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Oh, next week. Oops. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about my Pilsner this week. Okay. Um, yeah, so I did a Pilsner brew day. As soon as I can bring up the web app here, my phone's being weird. Um, I'm just going to I'm gonna throw this out, too. Uh, I have fallen in love with the Brewfather app. Um, if if you're still using Beersmith and you're a home brewer, stop. I, <gasps> Bold. It's Bold I, statement. Holy crap. It, all right. Like the UI is so much better. Yeah. Um, the interconnectivity with the new homebrewing tools is incredible. Being able to pull it from anywhere wow. is awesome. Uh, just and like having it in the cloud is great. Yeah, if this is your first time listening to us, like that's a bold statement because I th- I think I've been using Beersmith since I've been using Beersmith since we started the podcast. Yeah, I think I've been using Beersmith since it was in yeah. beta. Uh, and like, and it's just it's the UI. It's it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there are there cloud features uh, for Brewfather? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because it, it it it's it's all web based. We can all sit in in our meetings at the brewery and. Uh, you know, look at the same recipe for yep. Beersmith, and that's um, and then like if you're using like tilt hydrometers and stuff like that, you can get live updates to um, to Brewfather. So like I can like it has like a little progress bar of like where it is in fermentation, like the percentage done and stuff, and uh, it's it's just neat. And I get graphs. I love data. 
Yeah, same. I should probably look into that a little. I don't know if, as a company, changing over all of that. It, you know, it's probably not gonna work. But <laughs> um, anyway, so I did a pilsner today. Uh, it's in the fermentation. Uh, but all right, so let me pull up my recipe here um, because so it shows recipes in there. But as soon as I do a batch, it doesn't show me. Uh, uh, so it's just a basic pilsner recipe. I don't know why I was looking for. Uh, percentages because it's very simple. 100% Pilsner malt. No way. Yeah, Get right, right out of town. I know, right? <laughs> uh, it's uh, the best malts, Pilsner malt, you know? Okay. Yep. Um, and then I did 20, uh, 27 IBUs of Tetanang at 60 minutes. Oh, what'd you do for a mash temp? Uh, 151. Okay. High fermentability. They wanted me to do 149, and I, I don't like going that low. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bumped it up a few degrees. Is Do you th- not like going that low because you're paranoid about um, a margin of error? or? Yep. Yeah, so Absolutely paranoid by a margin of error. I will throw that out there that um, I honestly have that same paranoia-based... <laughs> as a bre- well, no, I'm not kidding. Like as a brewer, like a good a good dose of paranoia is not well, also, a bad thing. Also, like, the the I, I I brewed it today, um, and my ambient temperature was uh, minus six Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, which I I don't have the Celsius conversion, but uh, meaning fuck it, ass cold. It was really cold today in wherever it is yep. that we are. So to have the the little bit, and that that did throw off my numbers a little bit. It, uh, it always talk will. About. I, I, um, I've brewed on the hottest day of the year. I've brewed on the coldest day of the yep. year, and it's it always fucks with it. Um, and then I did an another ounce of Tetanang at five minutes, just to like I really wanted to make sure I had some of that good crisp. that noble hop should be dry. Crisp and noble. Yep. Uh, so I was shooting for um, a OG of 10:48. I hit 10:49. Okay. Um, and then I'm gonna try to finish at like that 10:12. That should be 10, good. 10. I bet you it finishes under that. I I, I bet it will too. Um, I am using uh, Omega OYL114, which is their Bayern Walker yeast. Bayern. Bayern. Lager yeast, which I have not used, um, so trying that out. Uh, Bayern is a, a, a München is a fine soccer team, also. All right. Usually. Um, yeah. So fermenting that right now at fifty-three degrees Fahrenheit, um, and then I'll do a de-rest at the time, and then yeah, do a lager. I don't know that strain, but. Uh, you know, if it's close to other Pilsner strains. Yeah, it, you know. so, and it was all, uh, so I've been getting all of my grain through Right Brew, not a sponsor yet. Um, <laughs> rightbrew.com, right? Uh, yeah, rightbrew.com. Uh, they are, they're, they're Wisconsin local, um, cool. like small company, um, and they have, they use uh, speedy shipping for in Wisconsin, which shows up like yeah. the next day, and yeah, you that, can order grain by the ounce. That van, or their yep. like van truck. They look like food trucks, but they have packages. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and they, uh, they, they, you can order grain by the ounce, which I love. What? Yeah. Whoa, okay. So, especially like if you're doing like a stout with a bunch of specialties, it makes it so you're like, they, they charge you a little bit of premium on the ounce, but it's still better than buying a pound and then yeah. wasting it all. Well, having someone go like, Way out a few. Yep. Ounces. Oh, and it's 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 just it's worth it from a from a waste standpoint. Cool. Um, let's see. My numbers for today. 
like, this is why I love this. Like, I just punch in the numbers while I'm going, and my mash efficiency, because of the cold, was only 71%. Ooh. Super low. Yeah. Uh, my brew house efficiency, though, was uh, six, 76 and a half. That's not terrible. Or some, 77%. Uh, that's like the best some, some systems can do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, it was just because um, my volumes... The temperature plays a lot, like boil off and all that. Well, and then pressure too. Like yep. it, you know. We always say frisbees fly under stable. Like it's just mm-hmm. you know cold. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I've been up to, beer related. Uh, that was a fun little thing. Nice. But then we immediately get to talk about another beer that oh I made. Instead of a cur- commercial calibration today, we're doing a homebrew tasting, and this one is uh, out for all of you. Long-time listeners who have been on my ass about rebrewing some of these Every Style Challenge beers. Yeah. This is the rebrew of the double IPA, which is, uh, Brian, what BJCP style category is 22A. that? 22A. 22A. Sorry, I was trying to copy and paste the recipe. But yeah, we got 22A double IPA. Intensely hoppy, fairly strong, bitter, pale. Oh, yeah, I put the Brewfather thing on there. Without the big, rich, complex maltiness. Okay, keep that in mind. This is going to be dry, uh, or should be. Should be dry. Residual sweetness and body of American barley, of an American barley land. And what do we always kind of jokingly say? Like the double IPA, if you let it age, it should be an American barley wine. So uh, strongly hopped, but clean, dry, lacking harshness, which. That I, I don't I take, know about that. I take that. a smidgen of issue with that actual, like those two words. Lacking harshness. Disagree. Uh, but that's for another time. Despite showing its strength, drinkability is an important consideration. So that's fine. But the one that's sitting in front of us, tell me about the recipe. Um, yes. Uh, recipe um, later. This is uh, 88% two row. Okay. Uh, and 6.8% victory, uh, and then 5% dextrose corn sugar. Cool. So, yeah. Very simple malt bill. That would always be my ask. I guess you've only got my ask. It, well, it, it, three. you should keep a double IPA like this, in my mind, <laughs> to three malts. Yep. And, or and I'm sorry, two. two two and a sugar is what I always say. The the very best double IPA recipe that I've ever written was base malt, C10, and then a shitload of just regular table sugar from the co-op. Like this is that. So what what I like the my likes on this double IPA. Uh, what were the hops, by the way? Oh, uh, I have not gotten to that. Um, yeah. So boil. Uh, so my my sixty minute edition was Warrior. Uh-huh. Makes um, sense. Clean, yep. good bittering. Magnum yep. would be a replacement if that's. And then I, I initially wanted to go Citra Simcoe. They were out of Simcoe, so I substituted the Simcoe for Amarillo. So this is Citra Amarillo. Interesting. Okay. Uh, because I, I, I love the Citra Amarillo. It's a good yeah. It's combo a good like and like the Citra Simcoe combination is very classic. Mm-hmm. Um, but going like riffing on that, like I think the Citra Amarillo is really good. So I did um, a fifteen minute hop stand. With um, half an ounce each of Citra and Simcoe for a five-gallon batch. Um, and then I did a half-ounce uh, dry hop two days before um, kegging. 
of of each. So there there was no I didn't I didn't do any modern hopping techniques in this. This is very like traditional, classic, yeah, classic, traditional, traditional, except for the hop stand, but. I wasn't going to mess around with flame out when I could do a hop stand. Sure. From an aroma standpoint, that's prominent. Um, it's borderline intense. Like, it's it's almost there. And uh, these are definitely, like, your more modern hops yep. that are in here. Um, um, the, the only, the, like, so uh, I also modified the water to really bump up that um, those chlorides like really push up like the gypsum and the calcium chloride to really make it more hop. Accentuate Uh, those ratios to accentuate hops. Um, And then fermented with uh, 1056 American Ale. Um, But I could like, so I struggled to get this beer to drop down uh, below uh, 1020. Um, and then, so we're going to be talking about stock fermentation today. So one thing I did is I had some, uh, Saf Ale 05 sitting around. So I bumped the fermentation temperature up to the upper limit, pitched Saf Ale in there, let it go for a couple of days. That's smart. And that got me down, not quite to where I wanted to be, but we kind of stalled out at, uh, 1018. Uh, and in that, I I think that I, when we get into my, I'd like to talk about the good things about this before we even get, get into, into the, the bad couple gripes that I have, which are not that big of a deal. But this beer uh, is it does have that supportive, like neutral, clean, like grainy maltiness on the nose, and and on the. When I taste it, but it's a little bit sweet, and I know why that is because you've told me that there's a victory in there, which could and which the, lends to a sweetness. Yep, and then the sugar, the the simple sugars that I mean, on, let's be honest, like the Dex was probably all processed. Yeah, like um, yeah, was or it, it was it was metabolized, metabolized better, by the yeast. A better word. Yep. So there is some some neutral or I'm sorry, not neutral, but like moderate to high, medium to high. I don't know how you want to put it. Sweetness in this, which I don't think it it's should not be. necessarily out of style, but it's not where I want it. Yeah, could and and I don't know if I would ding it from a judging standpoint either. Other than could be drier, could be uh, um, the bitterness could be more harsh. And that's what I was saying about lacking harshness. I disagree on that. It's if you're doing a classic double IPA. Yep, so. I, I I think um, I would have increased the IBUs on the Warrior mm-hmm. or done a hop shot. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that would have given me a, a better bitterness, I think. So this should be like medium light to medium. I, I'm thinking this is medium with a little a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think if I think if it had dried out a little bit more, we'd get it'd be a little bit more punchy. I don't like the word smooth necessarily, but like this this text the texture of this beer is a little bit a little bit creamy. Too. It's, I like it's too crushable if that makes sense. Yes. Like it yeah. shouldn't if for a nine percent beer, this should not be this crushable. I'm really enjoying it. And when we were off mic, he was like, Casey was like, I'm going to give you this so you can talk about it off off mics. <laughs> 
I was like, I'm gonna say the same thing. Yeah, no, I, well, you know. Sometimes, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's sometimes a, a hold back when, when there's a mic in the way, like, I get it. And yeah, so I wanted exactly. to know where, where you're at. But yeah, this is, this is good, strong, complex. Um, I like the, you know, it's not sweet, not overly sweet, rather. There's a little bit of sweetness. It's not heavier. Um, you know, nothing really lingers in a bad yeah. way. Well, and so we'll talk about a little bit about this next week, but um, my haze that I made is mm-hmm. uh, that's at ten oh six, and I'm mad about it. Like <laughs> <laughs> too dry. <laughs> too dry. I'm like, how did that happen? And I wanted that to happen here. Yeah, it's like, bullshit. Jesus. All right, so I don't know what we're. Uh, yeah, so basically we need to uh, fermentation, right? Right. Um, so we need to talk about does this hit style? Is this a double IPA, Brian? <sighs> According to the BJCP guidelines, is this a double IPA? Yeah, and the only other comment I had was, I asked you if this was homebrew hazy or if it was like meant to be a hazy. There's a little this bit. This is of, homebrew haze. Yeah. Um, if you were to to do this one again, I'd. I'd biofine. biofine it. Um, yeah. but I like the the head is the head is the head is great. The lacing is fantastic. The head won't go away, the lacing won't go away. That's great. Um there's a lot of good about this beer visually, except for the haze. Um and then also I kegged this yesterday. I and then like I force carved. I wonder if next week if some of this haze will drop out. Yeah. Other than too sweet, I could see this on tap somewhere. This is great. I will take that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about stuck fermentation. Uh, oh, also, uh, all of those you guys keeping score, that's one rebrew that I have actually checked off. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what can cause a stuck fermentation? Oh, or I guess, uh, when, so when we talk about stuck fermentation, what do we mean? So that's uh, when the beer just sort of stalls out. It just it's sitting at like ten, I don't know what ten twenty four ten thirty, depending on how dry. Like it seems to be around there, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can happen pretty much at any um, at any point in the game because you've got you know maybe you've got dead or not vital. So when we talk about yeast health, which we have a bunch, vitality and viability are two different things. So vital is unhealthy, and then not viable are ones that just that aren't, you know, they're like a, a skin cell, basically. Um, another cause could be, like, too, you, you pitch too little yeast, and very likely you're going to start smelling, like, weird off-flavors, Band-Aid, uh, vinyl, stuff like that if you're under-pitching. Um, believe it or not, too much yeast uh, can cause excessive croisoning and then a loss of, like, healthy yeast through, like, the blow-off. Like you can actually push with it as small as small of a vessel as is used in home brewing. It is definitely possible to push yeast out into the blow off. Um, another good one to think about is yeast nutrient, but that's another thing you don't really want to like overdo too. Uh, it you know if you're enough enough fan in there would you know kind of mess with the way the fermentation. And uh, when you say works. fan, oh, free amino nitrate. Um, so, uh, geez, uh, what else? Not enough nutrient, uh, yeast that flocks way too, too much, 
an aggressive flocker will yeah, so drop out of solution before. This is another one. We don't know why this happens, why they flocculate, but all I can I can make you know, a metaphor, they all want to like get together and party and then they all get tired and go to the bottom of the fermenter. Like that's, that's, that's flocculation. And so one of the, the things, you get I, some antisocial yeast and they don't want to stay together. Yeah. I, I don't believe that you underpitched necessarily, but I think if you talked about decks in there, maybe they, maybe this particular, Oh, I, I know. I, I think I know exactly why this one's stuck. Do you? Okay. Yep. Well, um, well, so well, let me finish this okay, yeah, yeah, part yeah, go first. Ahead. So another thing is yeast that flocculates too much, drops out of suspension too rapidly, or, or inappropriate or low temperatures that cause the yeast to be sluggish. They're eukaryotic organisms. They're trying to party. They want to be warm. Um, and then eventually they'd just go dormant. They just wouldn't do anything after that because they're like, oh, it's cold. I'm just going to drop. And so they would never even do anything. Um also, excessively high temps can kill, and by killing yeast, a good, like a fun pro word if you want to throw it around with your friends, autolysis. Uh, another, <laughs> another one is your fermentation vessel is too thin and too tall. And you're, Not and something you're, we really have to worry about at these in, volumes. Infrequently, but I yes. feel like if I don't completely explore these things, True. I'm, we'll we're going to get a message yep. from somebody, and that's another one. So do you want to talk about like what you think about yours before we talk about how to prevent this guy? Yeah, 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 I think so. Um, so this one is a uh, 100% a yeast um, via, or I guess, vitality yeah. issue. Um, so... Back uh, about the time you were buying your house, I bought a bunch of ingredients because I was gung-ho about brewing and then got distracted. Um, Classic. Yep. So uh, this was a bunch of yeast that uh, has been sitting in my fridge for four or five months. So he's talking about like early to mid-September. Yep. And we're, you know, it's January. Yeah. So, yeah, the yeast was sitting in uh, the, on the package, it said November. I used it first week of December. December. Um, okay, so when I said I don't believe that you messed up on the yeast, I was wrong. You messed up on the yeast. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I made a <laughs> starter. Like, so it was it was viable. Yeah, I was gonna say I gotta believe I would have done. I would have absolutely done the same thing, and that as a home brewer, and then gotten burned. Like as a pro brewer, I right. I would have been like, no, we need. We'll just add yep. a few extra packages of dry. Like. I so I I took it. I made a starter, um, and then it and it ripped. Like it ripped through everything except like the last like five points. And I'm like, why? Yeah, so stopped. so the slow starters didn't pick up anything after like the um, little tiny sugar chains in your yep. deck. So we're talking yeah. about we're literally talking about yeast management here and how very important it really demonstrates. I mean, this is the perfect example for it, which is kind of yeah. why I wanted to do this episode with and, this. Like, and honestly, that was a big breakthrough for me when I was homebrewing. Like, holy fuck, it's actually the yeast that I really need to pay attention to. So assuming you've bought or propagated yeast like in a quality condition or, if, you know, you don't let it sit for too long. It's, it's really important to keep it viable and vital. So Two different we, things. we, we talk about that then, um, same situation with the hazy using 1056 because it's what I had, right? Yep. So at the time I bought two packs of 1056, that one ripped through down to 06. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. 
no, no, and it, it's it's like they the, it it shows like if it's out of date, it's out of date, but it might be okay. Why didn't you <laughs> use your hemocytometer to uh, you know count the number of cells in your slurry? Because I don't have one. Brian. Oh, oh, okay. Because I'm a home brewer. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Do you have a hemocytometer? No, not at home. Yeah, you have one at the brewery that I should have sent my yeast sample off too quick. Yeah, I mean, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing that now. You, I mean, if well, you like, wanna, I'm, I'm gonna drive down and be like, "Hey, uh, if you want to go in the lab at the brewery and you can um, count your." I don't know how to use a hematocytometer. It's not that hard. Well, you'll have to show me. I will. All right. So I don't know. Pitching and fermenting at the correct temperature. Avoid fluctuation while you're you're. Almost always going to get the exact numbers for your strain from like the vendor and the manufacturer. Like that, yeah. that should be as on long point. as it's within yeah. the right, within within like the range on the package. Mm-hmm. Don't do what I did. Be better than me. Yeah. So, uh, how to restart? How to restart? How to restart? First, the easiest one. Yeah, check the temp. Yeah. And I think the second one you're going to say is slosh it all around. Rouse. Rouse. Uh, Check the temperature, check the temperature, check the temperature. So, is it too um, hot? Is it too cold? So, yeah, so I, I fermented this low because, mm-hmm. you know, you want clean. So you go lower on the side. So I think it, it was like, like 64. Um, and I bumped it up to 68 to yep. be like, let's let's see if we can do anything here. Yeah. That didn't work. Um, so, you, so you aerated, or well, like by rousing, you're aerating so it can respirate. Mm-hmm. Is is kind of the situation we're talking about here? Not well, so not necessarily aerating. You want to basically pull up the yeast from the bottom, right? Like you want. You can't tell me that there's not air in the. Head there, there is, that, but we can't. Like there is. Like yeah. so, you're 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 adding some oxygen. You're not taking your O2 wand and shoving that in there. And no, do not aerate at this point. Yes. I'm sorry. I should backtrack and say that the risk of introducing oxygen once this fermentation has begun is stupid. And it will out the 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 bad stuff will outweigh any benefit. So to avoid the off flavors that can emerge um, by trying to rouse, you're you're better off if you, if you determine that the yeast causes the ferment to stall. Whether it's less than ideal vitality, flocculation tendencies, density, pitch rate, stuff like that, you'll you'll want to croisin by adding like vigorously fermenting wort. So yeah. that, we'll get into this in a second. This is yep. another thing you can do. Yes. So rousing is trying to break up that yeast cake, try to get any of the yeast in there that's still viable to get up and do its thing. Yeah, trying to get um, if you, stuff that already if went you, flocculated and went down, jump up and try to... At the homebrew level, uh, take a long uh, handled uh, sanitized stainless spoon and slowly like stir up the bottom. Stir that shit. Um, and I've, I've actually had really good luck with that, especially if you combine it with increasing the temperature. Um, because it's just gonna, it's just gonna make things, everybody's gonna get a little bit more active. I can usually get a point or two off of that, um, depending on where, where you're at. Um, pitching another yeast is kind of what you're talking about, Brian. Yeah. Right? I am. Yeah. And there's a, a number of different ways to do that. And it depends on what kind of beer you're trying to brew to get it to do that. So in your situation, very, very smart to pitch a USO5 because why? Uh, it's clean. It's alcohol tolerant. Mm-hmm. And it'll do the thing that I want it to do. Exactly. Now, if we say we were using uh, like the uh, 
the Saison DuPont strain, which is a very, very well-known um, sticky sticker. I don't know how else to put it. Like, it just sticks a lot. It sticks a lot. Uh, what we're trying to accomplish out of a beer like that, like this is another extreme example. So just remember each, each style you're trying to do is going to, it's, it's going to relate to what, how you might jumpstart this. Now, what I'm talking about with this Saison DuPont yeast, it'll stick at like 1030 or 1024 or something like that, like all the time. And I would never use it commercially, even though it's a fucking badass yeast and I love it. But that said, champagne yeast. Yep. Push Why champagne yeast? yeast? Uh, cause that'll go, it'll, it'll get quick and, and dry. Like champagne, champagne, super dry. Think about it. And what, what incredibly are you, alcohol what tolerant. Are, exactly. And what are you trying to accomplish, you know, with this double I, you know, with You're trying, yeah. And honestly, if I had champagne yeast on hand, I would have used that. Would you? Okay. I think, I think, I think that would have been, mm. I think I would have gotten more results out of it and it would have been better for me. Okay. Interesting. You, you don't. You don't think so? I like. I think that would have dried it out way more. I for this double IPA, I think yeah, we could have probably. I think that was, like I said, that was one of my gripes. So it was too yeah. sugary, but like so that yeah yeah. If you had had it on hand, yeah, toss yeah. it in. But I think what I was trying to say before was just that like be careful if you're trying to have a lactose stout that you want to stop at ten thirty and it stopped at ten forty five. Maybe your best option is not. Yeah, your best option there is some kind of ale yeast yeah. or something like that. Um, the other thing you need to uh, like um, the other thing you need to keep in, uh, and I I can't remember if we talked about this with uh, stuck fermentation is alcohol tolerance. There is that too, but did we? Okay, yeah, I mean because so um, if you look at the alcohol tolerance of ten fifty six is between nine and ten percent. Um, yeah, uh, uh, O five I believe is the same. Same it's boat. about the same. I feel um, like this is a different episode. If we're trying to make a, a 17% beer, I don't know, that's another. Well, no, no, but even even like, so say you're doing a barley wine, yeah. right? You're doing a 12% barley mm-hmm. wine. Um, most of the time, 1056 is going to get you there, but it might stall out, and you might need to. It might stall out because the alcohol production just would, like, kill the yeast. Yeah. Is how that works. But when we talk about, um, you know, uh I said before, don't add oxygen in the middle of a ferment. Well, well, and then you want to add oxygen in the middle of the that, ferment at, at your, a certain there's time. There's your to, exception. To ex- the there's an exception to every rule. After, you know, 12 or 12, 14, 16, 18 hours, somewhere around then, whatever the sweet spot is, yeah, stick that wand in there, fine, try it yep. out. As a home brewer, and that's, and I say this, I hope I say this every time, as a home brewer, you have... You have every chance to to, to wait experiment. to waste thirty bucks because oh I, and it, I mean it's not that it's not disappointing and it's like if you only have like you you only have a few vessels that you're kind of working with I mean if another person's got like six vessels it's like dude like t- try to screw something up then and just see and be like okay well we know the extreme so yeah anyway increasing heat did we talk about that at all uh, we touched on it yeah okay. Uh, yeah, so you increase the heat uh, that just makes everything more active. Yeah, and they make like a brew belt product that you can like increase the heat on it. Yep. That, that might be. Uh, we're we're going to do an entire episode on heating. Yeah. But anyway, um, we're getting long here. So we no, should it's get okay. To, and we still have a listener mail. Probably like it's a listener mail. Because uh, it's actually going to tie into this fairly well because I tried really hard to <laughs> make everything symbiotic. This is a fun episode. This I is like a fun it. episode, guys. Yeah. 
All right. <clears throat> this is uh, this listener mail comes in from Brian. Uh, unless there's something else you want to say about nope. stuck fermentation. All right. Uh, this listener mail comes in from Brian. Hey, Casey and Brian. Hope your holidays were great and you've both gotten a chance to relax a bit. Yes. I sent a message this summer and it was so good to have Brian educate folks on the subtle difference. Uh, pronunciation differences between his name and mine <laughs> because he spells his with a Y. Uh, <laughs> yes, if, if it's with a Y, it's something more along the lines of Brian. And my name is pronounced Brian, so it's... I just don't get it. Uh, <laughs> well, your name's not Brian, so... You're right, I don't. Uh, I am halfway through what I am calling my year of first as a home brewer. It's basically a dumbed-down version of the Every Style Challenge where I'm trying as many different styles to brew. That's awesome. Um, to gain more knowledge and give uh, me a, as solid a foundation as possible as I move forward. It started with a pale ale recipe I had from my extract days, then a half of Eisen to a brown ale, a chocolate coffee stout, uh, 3550, uh, or 35 out of 50 at a homebrew competition. Congrats. Yeah, not That's bad. That's a great, yeah. uh, especially for looking at this, your fourth or fifth uh, all-grain beer. That's fantastic. That's better better than average. So um, A wheat heavy and a cream ale with passion fruit and edible glitter because my girlfriend wanted it and why not, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's let, the only reason you do it. Like, Give, give it a rip, man. <laughs> yep. Um, send us a bottle. Uh, future brews will include a Philly sour and a Belgian blonde. What's under- a Philly sour? Oh, it's uh, it's a whole new yeast thing. We we'll talk about. Cool. We, we need to do a whole. That's probably episode an episode. On it. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Um, and a Belgian blonde to understand those fermentation processes better. I'm also going to brew your tropical stout recipe. Dude, that beer is fantastic. It's pretty damn great. Uh, maybe a kettle sour too, but I'm still getting the nerve up for that. Uh, what did I just say? Just do it. Who gives a shit? Maybe it'll taste like cheese, and maybe it'll be good. But send us a bottle. I do like cheese. I do like uh, cheese thanks again uh, to you guys for helping me to understand these styles better and progress as a homebrewer. I do actually have a question for you. Other than sours, is there a time you would mix different yeast strains? Oh. Uh, maybe for yeah. phenols, esters, or to help in attenuation. Also, what styles would you suggest to a fairly new brewer to oh. help build their skills? Uh, thanks again. I'm looking forward to see where you guys take us in 2022. Um, so, uh, yeah, so mixing yeast strains, we just talked about that, uh, doing a, uh, let's say DuPont and the, um, champagne yeast to finish it out, uh, doing different strains at the beginning. We talked a little bit about that during, while we were talking about, or while we were doing Brew Like a Monk, or Blam! Um, (laughs) (laughs) we talked a little bit about that by, uh, like kind of blending some of those Belgian strains, you can get different flavors. Yeah, this is a lot. This is this is. I'll, I'll try to keep this simple, and hopefully, I don't like screw anything up. But pitching two or more yeast is a really interesting way to develop unique tastes. It depends on what you're looking for, and that's sort of what I meant when I was like, "Well, if you're doing a saison yeast, you want it dry." So to kickstart that, you would need the champagne yeast, and it's kind of the same thing um, with this, where by combining, you can create a yeast profile that's like unique to your own like house. You may create a house strain. Yeah, but it also, like, produces a flavor that's, like, super difficult to reproduce, okay? So you they can all live happily. Like, you're not going to, like, it's not like you put two different fish into a tank and one might attack and eat the other. Like, it's not like that. They, they'll, they'll work harmoniously, but there's a few of the caveats are, like, optimal temperature range. Like, so if you're... You like don't mix an ale yeast with a lager yeast, or if you do, I don't know. Tell me how that goes for you. <laughs> Maybe you you do the lager yeast first and do cold, and then put 
you know, and then late. I don't know. Like, I think that's probably how it would work. Like, you, you, you can't really mix. Like, the, te- the temps don't overlap. 65, like, 55 and... Uh, like, 55 oh, so to like 65 like is common. probably fine. But, like, if you're going to do, like, a lager yeast and, like, a like a kvike, like, don't do not do that. Like, that's... Not- I don't, that's, that's just what we call a super California common? Yeah, that's not really going to work. So, like, you want to, like, as usual with beer, we're talking about matching or complementing characteristics. So each strain has its own flavor and, like... They have their own, like, flocks and their own attenuation that they want to do. Um, and they should complement and not have any sort of, like, competing qualities. So if you're if you're not trying to have ester, if you're not trying to have, like, POF positive stuff. Don't throw a half of ice in. Don't do a lager and a half of ice in. Like, why would you do that? Like, it, it's Oh, man, I just, I really like hazy banana-y lagers. So we can also talk. I mean, dude, I could talk about this for like another yeah. hour. So sequential inoculation. So doing doing like a little bit of this at first, and then adding this later. Um, ensure there's enough nutrient. Um, that's a thing. Um, uh, Will you end up like so? Like over time, you'll end up with a dominant yeast strain or yeast character in, in yeah. the beer, right? Always, because always, one will one always will take out. take over. The colony will just be bigger and better. And yeah, so then, like I always, as a home brewer, uh, what did I used to do? I used to take a kiddie pool, like a small swimming pool for kids, and I would take one-gallon jugs of fermenting wort, and I would float them in the kid pool with a fan on it and make this swamp cooler, which caused my... Tony, my roommate, the one time to have his hands on his hip, shaking his head, looking and like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, this one has this yeast. This one has these two yeasts. Like, this is the coolest thing ever about the size that we get to work on. If if you can, if you have the means to get yourself a bunch of different sizes of fermentation vessels, I think the split of yeasts are not limited to 50-50 necessarily. So, like, t- let's talk about, like, 63-33, something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Minimal qualities of smaller yeast. The possibilities are just completely endless. And we could talk about this forever. Uh, Andy in the chat says that uh, he used uh, USO5 to bottle condition after lagering. Yeah. Which is, that's a really good idea. If you if you can do the math and measure it enough, like, that's that sounds really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Is that old school Andy Thompson? Uh, no, that's Andy Higginbottom. Andy Higginbottom. All right, cool, cool. Well, he's been in the chat before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our UK, well, another UK yep. guy, yeah. yeah. Um, what up, Andy? All right, so uh, styles to suggest a fairly new brewer to help gain the skills. I mean, you've done a lot of the basics. Like, I always say start with the Hefeweizen. Yeah, um, if you don't have temp control, that. like... And any anything that's not just a regular ass ale. Like. Yep. Um, I'd say like so. You've done the wee heavy. Uh, you've done some fruit and stuff. Maybe, maybe uh, invest in a mm. small barrel. Try sure. playing around with some barrel aging. Yeah, barrels, and then a Solera project is always really cool because you'll empty some of it out and you'll have some left, and you can always you can. This is another cool blending thing. Like you can put other weird stuff in there and yep. like pull a little and bottle some, and then see how that. Um, goes. If you're if you're in the states, I can't quite remember where you're where you're located at. Um, if you're in the states, the Balcones uh, barrels um, out of Texas, they are fantastic. Um, I mean, it's just it's a corn whiskey flavor, but it like it neutral. works. It's pretty neutral, um, but they're cheap. 
I think last time I paid like 110 bucks for a five gallon barrel mm. shipped. Like, okay. Yeah. There's, it's, yeah. There's like Midwest barrels. There's Bockles barrels. There's, there's a, a ton of different barrel suppliers and they often have some random. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's finding the ones that are only like five gallons is the hard bit. Yeah. Cause usually like when you're finding barrels, they're, you know, like 55 gallons and that's a lot for a home brewer. Uh, that's a little much. But yeah, so I, I would look I look at doing that or even just um like playing around with oak staves and stuff. Yeah. It's just something fun. Uh sours are definitely like you, it seems like you're going down that way, like that's a whole other Well, and then like a thing we can't do is making like an alcohol tincture with XYZ in it and like throwing it in there, or like literally just taking a bottle of bourbon you like and just dumping that shit into the or, you know, not the whole thing, but some of it in there to taste. Like, you as the home brewer are way more in control than any pro brewer will yeah. ever be. Yeah, because you don't have to deal with any kind of regulation. There are no rules. Ain't no rules. Except for the rules. That we, Except for the rules that we, that we tell you. Like, don't put your, <laughs> your Don't put your sausage in the beer unless uh, Anthony tells you to. Olive but, oil. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, the olive oil episode, we got a lot of feedback on, which was really interesting. I had people that I didn't know listened to the show were hitting me up about that show. Like, holy oh, crap, really? that's a thing? Like, what? Hold yeah. Like, I didn't know you listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> like, the olive oil thing is so weird. When I say at the big, at the top of the thing, when you're in the middle of it, you don't really know sometimes what the yeah. hell is going on. All right, Brian. Well, I hope we, uh, did I pronounce that right? Brian? Yep. All right. Pretty close. All right. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, <laughs> I hope we answered all your questions there. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnessstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnessstudios, or follow us on Twitter at blindnessgreninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Uh, peace. Peace.